What's going on, folks? Thanks for hitting that download button and checking out a brand new episode of Toys and Tech of the Trade, your one-stop shop for toys, tech, and talk with some assembly required. I'm your host, Rich, and if this is the first time you're checking out an episode, first of all, welcome. Second, a bit about what we do here. Toys and Tech of the Trade is an interview series where we sit down with content creators, entrepreneurs, and just awesome folks that are on our radar and discuss the gadgets, the gear, and the tech that they use to run their business create content, and overall, be more productive. Now, when it comes to the toys aspect of the conversation, it's not just the usual, what kind of action figures do you collect or what kind of comic books or anything of that nature. We look at toys in a more broad sense, from someone's knife collection to their collection of Hummel figurines, glass bowling balls, you name it, obviously. I'm joking, but everyone's definition of toys is a little different, and we like to embrace that more general definition here on this show with that out of the way let's get into some housekeeping and turn it over to this week's guest uh first of all i want to thank everyone who downloaded uh our last episode with vince um from gradient man what a what an amazing amazing uh milestone that episode hit we're talking i want to say it was in the three or four thousand download range it's amazing um, number one, what a great conversation we had, but number two, just how many people were really just into it. Um, I'm truly grateful for Vince for sharing it as well with his audience, but so many people checked it out and so many people were interested in what gradient is working on. And in some really cool news, gradient actually secured a contract with NYCHA, which is the New York city housing authority, which has countless uh buildings here in new york city uh most of people refer to them as projects if you hear the term the projects those are usually buildings that are owned by the new york city housing authority and gradient actually secured um a contract to be able to provide uh their gradient units to housing residents which is massive for a multitude of reasons as someone who lived in new york city housing at varying points of my childhood I can honestly tell you that heat and heating, uh, especially for the winter, was always questionable. If the boiler went down, your apartment would, would, would be super cold and people would have to resort to heating up their apartments by turning on the oven and opening the oven door, which, of course, is not safe. Um, in the summers, if you didn't have an AC or couldn't afford an AC, you would you would cook in some of these older apartments and to be able to see a company like Gradient be able to come in and bring something like that, which, again, a lot of people aren't going to think that's a big deal. Go buy an air conditioner, go buy a heater. But some people can't afford that. There's a lot of people that are in the housing system that are on fixed incomes. Sometimes they're the elderly, et cetera, and they just don't have that disposable income to go and buy a heater or things like that. And obviously there's programs and family members, et cetera. But sometimes those those opportunities do not exist. So to see that um, happening with gradient, especially here in my, uh, backyard, so to speak is very, very cool. So congrats to gradient and the entire gradient family on securing that partnership with the New York city housing authority. It's definitely, um, a big thing. I wanted to also talk about a couple of things with regard to people that wanted to ask questions about, you know, Rageworks podcast productions. And people have been seeing that and seeing our, our Instagram for the podcast network. And, um, I want to dedicate a, a an individual episode to that, but for anyone that has a podcast that's interested in being on the RageWorks Podcast Network or wants to find out more about how they can work with us, please just email me, rich at rageworks.net, or DM uh, either the RageWorks account or the RageWorks Podcast Network account. Usually those get funneled to me directly, and I can answer any questions you may have. With that out of the way, I want to turn it over to this week's guest. Um, A couple of key takeaways from my conversation with this week's guest was just the fact that gratitude was such a huge, huge thing. Being grateful for what we have and the opportunities that we have based on, you know, just living in this country. I think that a lot can be taken away from that conversation. And also just the belief in something other than yourself. Now, obviously, everyone's belief system is different when it comes to believing in a higher power or whatever people rely on to help them get through uh, the rigors of life. But sometimes, you know, leaning into your faith is important to see you through. And I think that that's something to take away from this conversation. And last but not least, perseverance. 
I mentioned it in a LinkedIn post. If you're connected with me on LinkedIn, I'm sure you saw it. Start that podcast, record that YouTube video, write that book, whatever the case may be, go out there and do it. Because at the end of the day, it's better to go out there and not fail, but just fall, fail forward, so to speak, and get those, get those reps in for that book or that blog or that podcast or that YouTube channel versus the regret that comes from not doing it, not pulling the trigger, not doing something that has kind of been itching at you, that creative, um, that creative mindset that you stifle because of work or anything else. So uh, perseverance and just leaning into your strengths is something that was taken, taken away from this conversation. And I'm grateful that I can share these stories with all of you, as well as share a little bit of my personal stories every every episode that can help you persevere and get through it and pull that trigger, whether it's, you know, launching your own podcast or your own blog or your own YouTube channel. I hope that these conversations, these lessons, these action items that come out of these conversations can inspire you to go out there and be better and just create awesome stuff. Without any further ado, let's turn it over to this week's guest and learn about the toys and tech of their trade. My guest for this week's episode of Toys and Tech of the Trade is Nikki Ballou. Nikki is not only a best-selling author, but also someone who reaches out and inspires entrepreneurs and people that are getting their start with their businesses to help them level up and reach the next level. Our conversation is going to cover a couple of different things, including how he got his start, actionable advice for you, the listener, and much, much more. Nikki, what's going on, my friend? How are you? It's an honor to be here, Rich. Thanks so much for having me on the show. I appreciate you taking the time out of your very busy schedule. You've been making the rounds as of late. Um, I saw, I heard you on John Lee Dumas's podcast and a few others just sharing that energy and a lot of that actionable advice. And I'm so glad that you could come here and share it with our listeners. So I want to jump right into it and just um, kind of get into how you got your start and some of the challenges you've experienced along the way in terms of just becoming uh, you know, a best-selling author and a resource for businesses and entrepreneurs out there. Well, let me tell you my origin story, my friend. I'm um, I'm an immigrant to the West from the Middle East, from Iran. I'm a Christian from Iran. And back when I was a kid, the Islamic Revolution happened. The Shah of Iran was deposed. And my late father saw that, wow, you know, being a Christian family in Iran, this wasn't a thing. He was a far-sighted man. He thought many moves ahead. So he got our family out of the country. And my late father is the greatest man I ever knew. And thank him every day for bringing us to the land of freedom. And I got to tell you, you know, when people here in the West start complaining first world problems, oh, oh, this is such a horrible place. There's so much intolerance here. You don't understand. You, you looked at me wrong. You must be a racist. You must be a misogynist. You must be that. It makes me laugh. When I was 11 years old, someone threw a Molotov cocktail through my living room window with a note on it that said, die Christian scum, bro. So you know what I'm saying? This is the most tolerant place on the face of the planet. You guys don't know how good you got it. Thank God every day you were born and you get to live in the West. That's all I have to say. That's the first thing for me is I'm very grateful to live in the West. Grateful to my late father for his farsightedness to bring us here. Grateful for all the great opportunities we've had uh, to just live and breathe free air. You know, and I thank every day my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because without him and all the the glory that he gives, allowing me to live, nothing would be possible. And I got to tell you, first and foremost, right, my father was an entrepreneur. My father was a man who just loved doing for others. He's a man who gave away cars, apartments, and houses to people. You heard that right. He gave away cars, apartments, and houses to people. And you might think to yourself, how come? Well, because he could. He had the means to do it. He was an entrepreneur. He was successful. Everyone who knew my dad, Napoleon Ballou, was uplifted because they knew him. He was a man who sought to uplift people. So I looked at him, his example. I go, man, I want to be like him. I want to be an uplifter of people. I want to be somebody who, because people know them, their lives get better. So I became an entrepreneur. And my vision has always been to help other entrepreneurs with what I do. You know, And there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there, good men, good women who are out there and they want to do good in the world, right? But they're afraid. They're afraid they don't want to come across as pushy or salesy or have commission breath overwhelming people as they walk in the room. So they they back off when they shouldn't, when there's someone who could use their help. And some charlatan marketer goes and gets that person that they should have helped 
and they just take their money and they don't do anything for them. And that detracts from the sum total of goodness in the world, Rich. Why? Because that charlatan marketer, that person took money and didn't deliver a result. That person who believed in that marketer didn't get what they were seeking. So their faith in humanity gets diminished a little bit, right? right? You, because you're a good person and you should have gotten that business. You didn't get that business. You start to lose faith that it's possible for good people to be successful in business. And what I do, man, is I teach you as a good person, hey, you have everything it takes. I'm going to show you how to get away from that, you know, fuller brush salesperson mentality and get into serving people. Because if you reframe selling to serving, Rich, that's when good things open for the world. Because if you're serving somebody, if what you do solves an acute problem that someone faces, then you are the right person to help them. And of course, you should get paid. Of course, you should get paid. Right. Good, good Lord intends for you to get paid. So that's what we do. We show people how to do that. We show them how to dial in their message. We show them how to how to be clear and stand out and be positioned in the marketplace so that they're, they're not stuck in the sea and same of sameness as my mentor, the great Dr. Nito Kubain, who's also an immigrant from the Middle East, by the way, said, he said, you got to be in that oasis of differentiation. So we show them how they can do all that, man. And beautiful things happen for them. Their business grows. The people they're supposed to help, they get helped by them, right? And it adds to the sum total of goodness. It even helps that charlatan marketer because they don't get the business and maybe they'll change their charlatan ways. And so, that's what we're all about, my friend. That's my OG story, brother. I want to I wanna unpack a couple of things from there. So obviously your dad was an entrepreneur. You get a lot of that fire and that energy from your dad. What was your first business? Oh, that's your, such a good question. Very first one. I got into I got into a, the fitness field with the great Donovan Bailey and and Mark McCoy. That was the first business we were partnered. So these guys were Olympic gold medalists representing Canada. You know, Don, Donovan Bailey's originally from Jamaica, but he came to Canada and he won an Olympic gold medal for our country in 1996 at the Atlanta Games. I was actually there when he did it. it was really really cool. I have, I have family in Atlanta, so it was really cool to see him do that. And then Mark McCoy as well. So we we had fitness programs to show you how to think and train like an Olympic gold medalist. That was the first business I had. And then I got into my own fitness coaching and training from there. And how long you know, did you do that? You know, I was in that from 2003 all the way to 2013. Mm. So a good 10 years I was in it. So Mark and Mark and I still kept working. Donovan and I and my Donovan split up from Mark and I after a while. It was good. Look, there was we, we did some good things, but you know, different visions. Of course. Donovan's a great guy, but you know, his 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 self-concept's really big. You know what I'm saying? No, Donovan's I'm self-concepts are really hundred meter runners, man. Those guys have big self-concepts, also known as big egos. You know, yeah. no, ab- absolutely. But you know, it's interesting because in and and that takes me to another part of this question. When you're dealing with egos and things like that, partners, um, how did you overcome some of those adversities and work through some of that? Because we run into instances sometimes where we got to bring a partner on board or we got to bring investors on board or people on board. And while their overall vision still aligns with ours, personality wise, there's always conflicts. How did you navigate that, especially in the early goings? Well, I got to tell you, I mean, I, um, I was just starstruck to be working with two Olympic heroes of mine. So it wasn't that hard for me to be able to defer to them and massage their egos. But you got to understand that um, uh, there there comes a point where if the ego uh, is asking for what doesn't work from a business point of view, then it's just not going to work. So Mark and I just, we, we respected Donovan. We still do. I love the man. He's a great man. He's a great man, a great Canadian, a great Jamaican, a great human. Um, but Donovan wanted some things which he felt were his due, and they, that we 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 couldn't make that possible for him. We just couldn't we couldn't do it. That, right. That's just as simple as that. But while we were working with him, we always respected what he brought to the table. We always spoke about it. And for me, I look at the business. If it makes sense to do something from a business point of view, you do it. If it doesn't, then you know, simple as that. You took a lot of a lot of inspiration and energy from the work your dad did. Um, what were some things that you felt your dad did that you, um, 
I guess, repurposed for your own business methodology. You know, like some some people have a certain honor system, a certain way, uh, code of ethics. I'm sure many of that got passed on to you from your dad. But what did you change that he did that you felt needed to be done differently? Look, my dad was old school. I mean, a handshake was good enough for him. That doesn't right. work anymore. Of course. Of <laughs> yeah, course. That's, that's, right? that's number one on that list. Yeah. I mean, my dad, when he said, okay, I'm doing this, it was done. It was, it was, it was done. And if someone didn't adhere to that and dealing with him, then, you know, dad was like, okay, bye-bye. And he also said all business is personal. Um, and you know what? When I work with a client, it is personally. I, I, I tend to, to, to fall in love with the person that I work with right. because I want them to win. But there are certain situations where it just isn't personal and you can't take it personally. You got to just move on. And, and I think, um, I think my dad was 90% correct with 10% incorrect. How do you, how do you help people lean into that methodology of not considering it always being personal? That's not what I teach people, bro. That's like, an eight. I teach people how to be successful in business by helping good people. And, and, and I teach people to raise their frequency. So they attract the kind of people they want to attract. Like I won't work at this stage in the game with anybody who I don't feel it with. You know what I mean? The vibe has got to be right. They got to be somebody that I feel is a good person. I feel wants to do good in the world. And I feel I like, and I can get behind what they're doing. If I don't feel all that, I won't work with them. All and right. I teach my, my clients not to do that either. You know, we, we're in a situation where, listen, you are, you're a good person. If you're a good person, you deserve all the bounty that the Lord has to offer for you. And the only way that that's going to become possible is if you value what you have to offer to the world. You can't value that if you don't know what you have. That's one of the things that we teach people inside of our methodology, right? Like you got to know, let, let's just say you're a relationship coach, Rich. I, I, I know you're not, but let's say right. you are, right? Let's say you work with men, right? And you work with men whose wives said, Oh, bye. That was your whole shtick, right? You work with those kinds of men. And let's say that, you know what? You just felt like you had to work with any man who was in that situation who came your way. But there were some men who came your way that, let's be honest, weren't, they messed up. They weren't ready to admit that they messed up. They aren't ready to do anything differently. They aren't ready to take your coaching. Right. They nickel and dime you with your fees. <laughs> How would you work with them? Why would you work with them? Like right. that person is, that person is not committed to transformation. That person just wants to be right. And they're only hiring a coach because they want that coach to just reaffirm that they're right. You know what? There's people out there who are coaches who are, who are going to work with people like that. And God bless them. That's not me. Those I work with people who are stroke. committed to transformation. I work with people who are ready to make uh, a, a change in their life. So if I'm working with, if someone comes to me, I want to understand what they're dealing with. Right. Like in, in your case, let's say you were a relationship coach. Let's say you were making fifty, seventy thousand dollars a year. You said, you know what? I want to I want to double that. I want to make one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year this year. And I, I'd listen to you like you were serious. I wouldn't listen to you like, you know, that was just a, a fleeting thought. Right. I listen to you like you were serious. And then I I I I make sure that you were ready for change. And as soon as I was convinced you were ready for change, I would say, how ready are you to take action to solve this right now? Double your income. Right. And that's what I tell people. I never tell them, how ready are you to do my program? Who cares about my program? My program's not important. Right. My program's just a vehicle to get the result. What's important is, is this person ready to take action, action to change their situation? And if the answer is yes, the way that I'll know the answer is yes, is that they'll go, come on, let's go. I'm ready to put my money down to work with you to get this situation solved. Because if they won't work with me, then they ought to be working with somebody who they trust to do this. And usually, I got to be honest, if someone gets on the phone and they're a dabbler or a hobbyist, they're going to tell you, well, it's you, but it's not you. It's them. They're a dabbler and a hobbyist. And they're not really interested in change. The serious people get on the call and they go, okay, I need to make sure I trust you. And if I trust you, we're doing this. If I don't trust you, I'm going to say, you know what? It ain't a fit. Bye-bye. That's how I operate. And that's how I expect people to operate with me. And if someone doesn't trust me, God, that's, that's very unusual because I'm a very trustworthy person. Right. But if someone doesn't trust me, for whatever reason it feels wrong, I'll tell them, look, this isn't happening. You're not, you and I, we're not vibing. The fit's not there. I'm going to recommend you call so-and-so. Right. And that's how it is, man. I don't get on every phone call going, I'm going to close this guy. That's, that's crazy. First of all, closing is a horrible word. It's a horrible, horrible word. Like these are human beings yep. 
right? They're, they're not there to be closed, man. These, these are these are people. I'm there to serve this person. I'm there to make a difference for this individual. And if this individual is ready to have that difference made for them, that will become obvious in our conversation. And I will invite them to take the step necessary to completely transform their situation. If this individual is not ready, not ready to transform this situation, that too will become obvious in the conversation. And I'll tell them that we're not going forward. And it was really great speaking. So, I mean, you've, you've definitely touched on, on a few things and I want to kind of cherry pick a few of them. You've built so much and you're working through inspiring others to be better leaders, be better entrepreneurs. But along the way, obviously, you've had to obviously solidify yourself as a leader in that field. What was, who was, or can you recollect your first client when you started pivoting into this particular space? And how did you feel getting your first client in that space? And when did you know that you hit that apex? Like, man, I got to keep doing this because this is making a difference. Well, look, when I was in the fitness space, I uh, hired a coach to show me how to pivot out of positioning myself as a fitness person and into positioning myself as a um, business advisor, as it were. So this gentleman and I put together a a methodology. I wrote a best-selling book called Finish Line Thinking, How to Think and Win Like a Champion. And I used that book as a business card. And I printed a thousand copies of that book and I started handing them out to anybody who was in business. And that was my methodology. And then once I handed it out to them, I said, Hey, listen, doing something new, um, helping people uh, learn how to think like a gold medal athlete and bring that methodology into their business so they can make more money, generate more sales, whatever the case may be. Right. And then I would ask them, would you like to have a conversation about this free coaching call? And 80% 80% of the people said yes. It worked. And um, once I had that free initial coaching call with them, I went through a, a scorecard process to really understand their situation. And once I understood their situation, if I felt I could help them, I'd offer another free coaching call to them. And in that coaching call, I would tell them flat out that I'm going to give you a plan to take your business forward. It's free. But at the end of the plan, I'm going to ask you flat out, do you want to work with me to take this to the next level? And I expect a yes, no answer. That's the only way I'm going to give you this free coaching. You agree. Okay. And most of them said yes. And I always got a yes or no. I always got a yes or no. Now, I've learned since then I don't need to do two calls. I can do it in a single call. So I don't do that two-step process anymore. I've got a one-step process. But I'll tell you that that's what got me started. And, you know, I was... Um, I, I was in a situation where I'd been married and I'd gotten divorced and, and it was a horrible thing for me. You know, like a lot of men left me devastated on my income uh, plummeted. Um, and when I met this coach, you know, uh, I, I walked up to him and I said, uh, you know what? I think, um, I think I need to hire you. And he looked at me and he said, okay, when I charge $5,000 for five hours of coaching and there's no refunds and I expect payment in advance. And I didn't have that kind of money. I mean, I've been sleeping on my mother's couch, you know, after my wife and I split up for for quite a while. So I told him that. And he said, I'm going to do you a favor and I'm going to give you some free coaching right now, kid. And I said, okay. He said, it doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how much resources you have. What matters is how bad do you want change? How resourceful can you get? If you want to work with me, you'll come up with the money. That was a hard thing to hear, but I said, okay, give me a couple days. So I went to a couple of clients, potential clients who who'd been just hemming and hawing about whether to work together. And I said, Hey, listen, I need money. So I'm going to give you the deal of the century half price, but the deal expires at the end of this call. You got to say yes or no at the end of this call. And you got to pay me by the end of this call. So what's it going to be? They paid me. I I called uh, this guy and I said, Hey, I got some money. He said, okay. I came over with a couple of grand. He said, no, no, no. I said five grand. And I said, Hey, listen, um, besides me, how many people did you tell this little story to? said, um, oh, probably over the years, 30, 40, 50, something like that. I said, okay, besides me, who else came up with any money? He said, oh, you're the first. I said, take my money and um, I'll sign a contract saying that I'll pay you the rest within 30 days. And he said, okay. 
and the rest is history. Um, he taught me. I, I went from you know five thousand dollars in income for the previous twelve months to a hundred thousand in the next four months. And that's that, that's that amazing. Was, that was that was it. No, it is, and that's what made me passionate about creating my own methodology to help people to help them win. Right, because you you took what worked. You worked to get you out of that out of that hole, so to speak, and you reapplied it to help others do the same. Um, along the way, obviously, you you talked about offering people a lot of opportunities and giving them the, the yes or the no, the definitive yes or the no. How does this, how do you, how, how do you process the no's? How do you get through the no's with some people? Is it just basically, you know, that was a great answer, bro. No is a great answer. This is what people see. This is what I teach people. People are afraid of being told. No, they think it means that, Oh my God, they're a terrible person. Their offer sucks. Doesn't mean that at all. It just means that person is a no. Yep. It's about them. It's not about you. I love no's. No's and yeses are the best answers. The answers I hate are, I need to think about it. I need to have a seance with my dead ancestors. <laughs> I need to have a conversation with my dog. I got to talk to my wife. Okay, wait a minute. Is your, is your wife in business with you? No. Okay. She's not. All right. Then why are you talking to your wife? Like, Do you, do you ask your wife before you can sign up a client? Do you ask your wife before... You know, you go get your, 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 your certifications. Your wife's job is to love you and honor you. If you come to her with a price tag, she's going to freak out. And that's the same for your husband. If you're a woman, right? He's right. going to freak out. You want to spend how much? No, don't do it. But are they business people? Do they understand the importance of investing in yourself? Robin Sharma, who was one of my clients when I was a fitness trainer, the best selling, multi million selling author of the book, The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari once said to me, if you ever want to double your income in any given year, triple your investment in personal and professional development. You got to invest you know, in yourself. That's that, you have to do that. If someone's not prepared to do that, what's the point? And I love no's. I got to tell you, like, I, I, I like go for the no, man. I really do. I am, I'm bold about this and I teach my clients to be bold. Get an answer. Get an answer. You know, and here's another thing I do, right? Like if someone is a good fit for me and they're a little nervous, you know, and the money's like freaking them out. I tell them this, I tell them this every call. I go, listen, this is my regular price, but I need you to know I hate chasing people. I hate chasing people. I hate it when they go, I'll get back to you and I got to just call them. So in order to save myself that aggravation, I give a steep discount to you. If you say yes or no right now on the phone. So I give you basically a 20, 25% off is what it works out to. And they go, wow. And they go, if you pay in full, I give you an extra 5% off. But you got to make that decision right now. Otherwise, just pay the regular price anytime and I'm never going to chase you, right? You have no idea for people who really want to do it, but they're just a little afraid of, of money. They're just, their fear is choking out their dream. What a powerful motivator that is to like pay a lot less. You know what I mean? And you have no idea what a powerful motivator it is for me to give the discount so I don't have to chase people. <laughs> So it's a, it's a beautiful thing that I teach people. It's called the paid in full um, quick start discount. I, I didn't create this. You know, this has been around forever. But the way that I do it was taught to me by my mentor, Mark Von Muser. Mark Von Muser is just like, he says, look, you should always be willing to give somebody a discount if they are ready to say yes right now. Right now is worth a lot more than tomorrow, the next day, a month from now. Right now is the only time there is in business. Right now is the only time there is truly, if you think about it, there is no tomorrow. We're not guaranteed a tomorrow. Definitely. You and I are guaranteed this moment. And if we're going to do something, we're either going to do it now or we're not going to do it. Any answer other than right now is a no answer anyways, but they're just too scared, too chicken to tell you. Right. So, so it's way better for you to give them the biggest incentive to take action on the spot. That way you'll, You'll be clear on who's ready for change and who's not. And I, I got to tell you, I always respect a person's no. And I think to myself, wow, man, that is wild that this person is saying no because they didn't say no to me. They said no to their dream. They said no to solving this acute problem they have. They said no to more money, you know, more freedom, more peace of mind, more self-respect because they're becoming what they said no to that. And I got to tell you, man, when someone says no to that, I feel sad. I really do. 
I feel sad, not for me, sad for them. Because I got to tell you, Rich, I'm Nikki Villain, man. And I rock at this, you know? I am so good at this. I know how to get people results. I know how to make things happen. I get business. I get large, fabulous, glorious amounts of business. It is no big deal when someone says no, you know, in a conversation. I mean, but man, I could be the person that could completely change the trajectory of their life. They just said no to that. And that's a sad thing. That's a sad, sad thing. How do you know or how do you coach people that are in that are not 10 toes deep? Meaning, when do you know that somebody comes to you and they're a hobbyist and they want to move into being an entrepreneur? And I say this because a lot of people that listen to this always are reach out and they're like, hey, I want to start a podcast or hey, I want to do this, but I don't know where to start or I've been doing it a long time. Where do you? Where do you draw the line to tell them, like, listen, you're ready to move from hobbyist to entrepreneur, or hey, maybe you need to stay a hobbyist? What are some indicators for you to ma- have that conversation? Look, when I'm having a conversation with somebody, brother, the first thing I do is I try to find out what's not working for them. In every conversation that you have with someone in potential sales, you've got to understand what's not working. And I just dig, and I teach people to just dig until they're clear on what's not working. A lot of people will give you this surface level answer that's like, oh, you know, oh, yeah. I was talking to somebody yesterday, a really amazing person, the spectacular business, you know, works with manufacturing companies and she's made a lot of money. And she's saying, you know, to me before, I'm doing okay. Yeah. But there's some things I just need to get in front of more people. That's what she said. Well, here's the truth. A lot of our existing clients were just pushing, starting with projects off and off and off. Her income was. 20% what it normally was. Well, we got clear on that, bro. She wasn't ready to like reveal that. She was nervous. She was embarrassed. You know what I mean? And we got clear on that. That's when I said, are you ready to solve this? And if the answer is anything other than an immediate yes, they're obvious, right? And she, she was a yes. And, you know, she, she said yes. And I offered her uh, a way forward to solve it with our help. And she said, yep, let's do it. She gave me a credit card. We were good to go. But when I ask a person, are you ready to solve this? If their answer is not an immediate yes, then they're not ready to solve it. And they're a hobbyist at this stage. They're a dabbler. They're, they're scared. They're, their fear is choking off their dream. And that's when I respectfully, lovingly, but directly tell them, you're not ready. And um, we're going to end this call. If and when you are ready, reach back out to me. That's it. Tell me about somebody who had that happen and then came back to you when they were ready and had a clear sense of purpose. Have you have you had a lot of those or has it been like a lot of just no's and you close the door and that's the, 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 I don't close the door, bro. The door is always open. But here's right. the truth. There has been not a single person who has come back. Not one. Because the truth of the matter is, brother, their fear is bigger than their dream. And that's the saddest, saddest thing. And I've gone back to like 30, 40 people. How's it going? What's happening? Nothing's really changed. Nothing's really changed. Wow, that's because amazing. I'll tell you this right now. You can't say the right thing to the wrong person and you can't say the wrong thing to the right person. I mean, that's, a, that, that's, a, that's, an, amazing, that's an amazing piece of advice right there. And um, I want to, before we move on, I do want to talk a little bit about something you mentioned earlier. You were talking about charlatan marketers and, you know, charlatan marketers. Listen, I've been in the, I've been in the podcasting space a long time, uh, 15 years, and there's always a course. There's always a guru. There's always a thing. Everybody has it out there. And people always say to me, like, hey, you, you share a lot of information. You know, why don't you charge for it? And my response is always, I give this information to 100 people two out of the hundred might use it. The rest are just going to listen for the sake of listening and keep it moving. I'm sure that that happens in these instances. What are some, you know, you one or two things that jump out as a red flag if someone's running into a charlatan marketer? Well, a couple of things. Okay. One is if they're really good at selling the sizzle, man, that's their whole shtick is they're just sizzle sellers. They don't sell steak very well. Right. Um, and two is 
if you go uh, and you ask people who've worked with them, you know, so what's this fellow like? What's this gal like? And you don't hear a ton of good stuff. Now, listen, there's everybody's going to have detractors and haters. Okay. Nobody's even, even our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ had his detractors and haters. That's how come he was <laughs> hung on a cross to die. Right. Um, but if you're having a hard time finding anybody saying anything good about them, that should be a red flag. Number one. And number two is, um, you know, you got to listen to your gut. The good Lord's speaking. Good Lord's telling you do this or don't do this. That's the truth. That's a, that's a hell of an answer. I, um, I wanted to ask, obviously, with so much going on in, in the world and just a very weird place. Um, I try to keep it as even keeled as possible when it comes to that, only because, you know, everybody's opinion on that is different. But uh, with regards to how you approach business and what you're trying to do and how you're trying to help people grow and level up, how has it been the last two years for you as an entrepreneur, as a businessman? And what ha- what adaptations have you been forced to undertake during this very strange time? Listen, um, you know, for us, uh, we did a lot of what we did in person. So having to adapt online was definitely uh, uh, a stretch at first, but we figured it out. Right. But I'll tell you right now, there's a lot of people that are hurting. There's a lot of people that um, are being negatively impacted by all this inflation. Like there's no question right now, the price of gas, the price of food is skyrocketing. I just read in the paper, there's Canadians, people in my country that are skipping meals because they can't afford the food. You think about this, you know, the, it's a horrible thing. And if people were to ask me right now, Hey, Nikki, you think things are going to get better at the moment? I, I honestly don't think they're going to get better. I think the people in charge are doing a terrible job. I mean, you know, the, the fellow in charge in the U.S., uh, I, I mean, I, this isn't a political statement, but I, I saw him read a statement from a teleprompter and he's, he actually read, yep. he read, he read what they told him to say, like start quote, end quote. I'm like, did nobody else catch this? <laughs> like, like this dude is, this dude's not all there. Like this dude's not all there. Like. Are you kidding me? The, the, the man in charge like that. And the fellow in charge in Canada, he was a drama teacher. He was a drama teacher, man. He'd never run a business. He'd never run a government. He's decided right now that he's going to take some steps that the farmers in this country say is going to drastically reduce food production. There's people right now who can't eat because yep. there's not enough food and food's too expensive. And you want to institute policies to drastically reduce food production. Are you out of your freaking mind? You saw in the country of Sri Lanka, they did that and the, the people were hungry. They attacked the presidential palace and yep. they, they, they told the president there, we're going we're gonna to rip you limb from limb and eat you because we don't have food to eat. And the president escaped and there's a new government. And I don't know what's going on since then, but you think about this. The world's in a not so place. So someone's listening to this and you're going, how can I succeed in this, in this time? You can succeed, first of all, by not trying to do this alone. Hashtag don't do the rest of 2022 alone. You need to be part of something, part of something like what we offer, where good people are banded together and everybody's raising everybody's energy up. Secondly, there's people that are still hurting. There's still acute problems out there. There are things that you can solve and you need to like be focused on that and be focused on the fact that opportunities exist. The greatest fortunes in history have been made in times of economic upheaval. I'll say that again. The greatest fortunes in history have been made in times of economic upheaval. Have you heard of a small hotel chain called the Marriott? Yes. Do you know when the Marriott was 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 uh, founded? 1938, during something called the Great Depression. There you go. All right. Now, have you heard of another small company called IBM? Yep. <laughs> do you know when IBM was founded? I do not offhand, no. Also in 1938, during that same period called the Great Depression. Right. When was Airbnb founded? 2008. That's right. During the Great Recession. So many people started their businesses in that time. This is the greatest time in history to be successful. But you've got to have the courage and your conviction to support. And you need people like us around you to show you how to navigate through this, show you how to serve people. 
You can't do it alone. If you got a business right now and you're nervous and you're scared, how am I going to make it? Is my business going to go belly up? My answer to you is you can make it, you will make it, you deserve to. But you need to jump on a phone call with us. You need to go to our call to action link and you need to do this right away. We do something called a success call. We're going to sit down. We're going to show you how it can be done. We're going to show you how you can win if you're ready and you believe in the majesty of your dreams. But you can't do it if you just duck your head like an ostrich and go, I'm going to try and wait till this all blows over. It's not going to blow over. Nope. you got to proactively go in and go for the win. I respect that. Um, I want to change gears a little bit and jump into like what we call the hot seat. I'm sure um, <laughs> you're, you're familiar with, with rapid fire questions, uh, hanging out with our good friend, uh, John Lee Dumas. But, you know, we do things a little differently because we pull it from our conversations and everything else. Um, you know, one thing that always gets me is how people perform. And I want to know, you know, what's uh, actually, this actually is something that works better. What's something that you in the last year have changed your mind on that previously you felt you were, uh, it was a non-negotiable for you? Non-negotiable? I honestly don't think anything. Nothing that's a non-negotiable. I don't have a lot of non-negotiables. Interesting. You know, there's nothing that's a non-negotiable for me, brother. Like, you know, I think we're living in a time where there's a lot of people that get offended too easily. Right. And, and I think you should, for me, I'm working to be offended less and have fewer non-negotiables. You know, and my non-negotiables are my health's a non-negotiable. Right. My, my kids are non-negotiables. My, my ladies are non-negotiable. You know, standing for freedom is a non-negotiable. Serving my clients is a non-negotiable. I don't have a lot more. <laughs> I, I respect that. Um, you know, it's it's interesting when with that response because the funny thing is that most people that we talk to always have like, oh, you know, I need honesty in business, et cetera, et cetera. And you were like, your non-negotiables were tangible things that in most eyes should be non-negotiable. So I really respect that answer because i think that a lot of people lose sight of that fact and they double down like you were saying before they double down on business so much that they sacrifice the personal and i think part of that is because of that consistent drive for hustle culture and not sleeping and sacrificing your health which is something like I, i'm sure you put in a lot of work into your business and you're never going to shortchange your health for the sake of your business no sir and I think that that's a, that's a, that's very, very inspirational. And, um, you know, I, I always ask people how they handle failure. And I think in your case and the way you were brought up and how you approach business, you always look at failure as an opportunity. Am I correct in that assessment? I do, but I'm human, man. It hurts. You know, at the beginning of this year, I had a, I had a group that I was running a mastermind group, a really great group. And I had one bad apple in it. And I hadn't kicked this dude out and he right. burned his way into the good graces of some of the other folks. And then finally I kicked him out and that blew up the group. Really? That was a great group. Yeah, it blew up the group, man. I mean, it's, it's a long story. I don't want to get into no, no, every no. detail of it, but it blew up the group. And yeah, that hurt. That was a failure, I, a failure of leadership on my part. I should have gotten rid of this guy a long time ago and the group would still be here. You know, it cost me friendships, cost me money and uh, cost me some of my self concept. but. I got up, picked myself up, got into action, asked for help, and I turned it around. And that's the only way. That's the only way you can do it, man. You know, sometimes failure is part of life. Failure is God telling me, you know, you, you got a little bit too much hubris, young man. I'm going to knock that hubris out of you. And he did. <laughs> he did. What did you want to be when you were a kid? I wanted to be a general. I wanted to go to West Point. I wanted to fight communism. <laughs> that's that's um, what 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 got. I, I don't want to say what got in your way of ever pursuing that, but what changed as you got older with that dream? Well, I was an Iranian, so I couldn't go to West Point. Right, <laughs> Iran, that was that. Of course. And then you know when we moved to Canada, um, I don't know the Canadian Army just didn't appeal to me. If I was in the states, I'd have probably gone for it. You know. Talking, talking about coming over from Iran and, you know, being, being someone new to the country, what were, what was one of the challenges that you remember most vividly that also became a part of who you are? You said, listen, this is what we went through and I never want to go through that again. Honestly, it was a lack of freedom. 
you know, we, we were clear that if we stayed there, um, bad things only were in store for us. Like I was a kid and I was mouthy and you could not be mouthy in a tyranny, man. Right. That would get you and your parents killed. You know, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a truly scary experience. And I want to circle back to what you said before about people not realizing how well they have it, because I think that it, we, we, we want to drive that home, especially in our conversation that you came from a place where if you spoke up, you got taken out in the snap of a finger and the incredible change of being able to come here, speak your mind. You know, we're having this conversation. You're speaking freely. You're acknowledging shortcomings on the government side, both domestically here in the U S and in Canada, you know, things like that get you killed over there. I, I think that what's something with regards to being able to speak out about that, that you try to instill in, in your children, what's a lesson you try to impart to them now? Because obviously as a father, we try to always keep our children well informed and tell them the truth, but obviously the world's an ugly place. How do you, how do you balance that and, and, and keep your kids on an even keel? Look, my boys are teenagers, right? So um, they're out and they're I want to explore who I am, right? They're not, they're not hanging out at home a ton. Right. Um, when I see them, I, um, I, I'm in a space where um, I want to impart as much as I can by example. You know what I'm saying? And I talk to them about how the world is and how governments are and where I came from. I just got to trust that that's at some point going to penetrate because right now they don't really care. They care about their friends. They care about sports. They care about girls. That's what they care about. But even still, I'm sure along the way, those life lessons, especially going back to something you said, and and again, going back to your, you, you never know how how good you have it. I, I'm sure that's come up, especially as teenagers. Like you never know how good you have it. When I was growing up, X. I'm sure those conversations have happened, especially with teenagers, more than once. Am I am I correct in that assumption? For sure, for sure, hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, what's obviously you're gonna we're we're gonna talk about your your books and your services, but how do you level up? How do you educate yourself? Who do you lean on to inspire you? I got four coaches, you know, uh, Mark Von Muser is my, is my primary coach, coaches me in, in, in business and sales and moving forward. I, I got relationship coaches, I got a nutrition coach, um, and I've got a general mindset manifestation coach that I work with as well. So, you know, I, I got people I, I, I lean on all the time. I run a men's organization. There's men in, in, in the group that I can talk to about things that are going on. I read like a ton. And I look to serve people, but, you know, life is a people game. Absolutely. Business is a people game. And for me, that uplifts me when I'm around people, I have energy. So that's what does it for me. What's the last book you read? Um, I read Patrick Bet David's your, uh, your next five moves. Oh man. And this is, this is the next book I'm reading right now. Wow. Um, that's, a, yeah. that's a hell of a book right there. Yeah. Are, are you, are you, what inspired you to want to read that? The, uh, the book you held up folks is the SAS survival guide. Well, man, we're living in times where you better have some of those skills, bro. <laughs> you, know? you know, what's funny. You better have those skills. A lot, a lot of people, they, they don't think of that because again, it's always that, 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 uh, false sense of security. And, you know, I always joke about, listen, if a zombie uprising happened, a lot of people would be killed because nobody nobody's prepared even for the basics. And, you know, we joke about it. But, it, it, you know, I, I mean, Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan did a joke about, you know, what if all the smart people died and everybody just lived in caves and just came out to see what was going on. And the scary part is that we live in a world where a lot of people just don't even want to level up like you just said and and read the basics on how to survive if things get super bad. It's a scary, it's a scary concept. Very true. Um, obviously I want to be respectful of your time. Um, we always do one last question, which is what I like to call reach one, teach one. And we frame it differently for every guest. Um, you're asked to speak in front of a group of high school students that are going to graduate and go off to college. What's a piece of advice you'd give them as they get ready to start their journey in the quote unquote real world. 
One is think for yourselves. Your teachers aren't smarter than you are. They've just been around longer than you have. So respect what they're trying to bring to you, but think for yourself. Two is that you live in a free society. It was given to you. And unfortunately, right now, a lot of schools, they're trying to, they're trying to take uh, respect for that away. Socialism is evil. Uh, capitalism is moral. And freedom, free expression, free enterprise, and, and the, the ability to be able to disagree with another person is paramount and sacrosanct. Don't ever tell somebody they're a bad person because they think differently than you. And that is something that the cultural Marxists have instilled in, in, in America and the West. And we have got to like beat it out of uh, our, our society. We've got to stand up against it. And, and I say this to kids, first and foremost, stand up for the rights that will bequeath to you. You got to go learn if you are an American kid. You know, who was George Washington? Who was Harriet Tubman? Who was Abraham Lincoln? Who was Frederick Douglass? Right. Right. Um, who was Jimmy Doolittle? Why did he matter? You know what I'm saying? Who were the Tuskegee Airmen? Right. How is it that those those dudes came up, you know, uh, from a, 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 a culture that basically said you're less than because of your skin color? And they said, OK, we're going to fight because we believe in the ideals that this nation could be, even though it's not it's not fully there yet. Right. Like what, what kind of what, what kind of man has that level of nobility of his soul to be able to rise above the hatred of others? Step forward? Who is Martin Luther King? Why does he matter? You know, if you ask. If you ask kids, they'll, they won't know who these people are. They won't know why they mattered, right? Did you listen to the Gettysburg Address be delivered? Did you listen to John F. Kennedy's inaugural speech where he said, we'll pay any price, bear any burden to ensure the survival and success of liberty throughout the world, right? Like, who, who's Ronald Reagan? How is it that all the presidents leading up to Reagan were trying to contain communism Reagan said, we're going to beat these suckers, right? And everybody around him, they said, oh, that's just some actor. That's some dummy. He doesn't know what he's saying. You, you know, and all these like supposedly smart men. That's so when you said the smart men, I laughed. All the smart men died. I'd say we'd make a better world if all the smart, so-called smart people died. The real smart people would take over then. Joe Rogan's an idiot. I love Joe Rogan, but he's an idiot. He's not that smart. He's a very good interview, but he's not very bright. He's curious. Like I always tell people he's very he's curious. Curious, but that was a dumbass statement. A smart people? Are you kidding me? Every human being is smart. They just need to be given an opportunity to show that. Okay, Joe. So shut the fuck up. Excuse my language, nope. but that offended me that that he, that that man would say something like that. You know, you got to go and teach those kids. You know, JFK delivered a speech in 1962 and it was when he announced it that america was going to put a man on the moon by the end of the decade and here's what he said in his beautiful massachusetts accent we seek to put a man on the moon not because it is easy but because it is hard i tell those high school students go read watch that speech go watch ronald reagan's speech at the berlin ball wall when he said mr gorbachev if you believe in peace if you believe in freedom tear down this wall like that kind of shit that that's got to like wake up a sense of wow i come from a nation a culture where freedom has been valued and i want every high school kid to know this is what you gotta take into your bloodstream and teach to your kids this is what you gotta fight bleed and die for if necessary that's what I tell every single high school kid out there, because that is what is important. That is what matters. And then respect your mom, respect your dad, respect women. If you're a man, respect men. If you're a woman, we're at this, we're in this time where like women are being taught that all men are bad and toxic and crap. And there's a lot of men that are going, well, women hate you. So they're all bad. What the hell is that? How are we going to have a society if men and women don't get along? It's true. It's a, it's you know so, it's so, cra it's so insane. And I'm, and I'm glad you, you bookended with that because it's true. I respect that. That's Thank you. Thank you. Billy would teach those people. Though. Thank you so and much. And I'd say you have an obligation to be the best version of yourself. Go make sure you make that happen. That's it. I appreciate that. Nikki, um, 
obviously, where can people keep up with you, follow your work? We're going to obviously link to a lot of the stuff in the show notes, but of course, feel free to have a call to action for our audience. Look, if you're a business owner and you've been in business for a while and you are not where you want to be and you have some trepidation around going out there and asking for the sale and you know it and 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 you don't know how to get past it because you don't want to be seen as pushy. If you haven't got your message dialed in, you sound like everybody else. If you're struggling, if you're like going like this or even like this in your business, go to eCircleAcademy.com, click on the button in the top right-hand corner that says book a success call. Let me know you came from this show and I'll do that call with you. It's an absolutely free call. Let's change all that for you. Let's transform your life. Take it from tragic to magic. That's what you can do. And then go, you know, I got books, I got podcasts. Go look up Nikki Bilu. And then there's a website called NikkiBilu360.com. That's got all the socials and all that, that stuff in there. You got it. So that's what you do. We'll make sure to link to that in the show notes for this episode. Nikki, I feel I feel fired up just talking to you, man. I truly appreciate you taking the time to share the toys and tech of your trade. Appreciate it, brother. Thanks so much for having me on the show. It's an honor to be here. Thank you. Tremendous conversation with Nikki. So much stuff came out of that episode from actionable advice to inspirational stories. It was it was tremendous. And I hope uh, you folks were fired up by hearing Nikki's story and all of the advice that he provided links to everything that he discussed, all of his products, his services, and everything else will be in the show notes for this episode. So definitely make sure to check those out. There may also be links in there for some of the products, goods, and services that we discussed and full disclosure, as always, some of those items may contain affiliate links, which if you click, will get a small commission at no additional cost to you that goes towards making this podcast and everything from Rageworks better for you, the listener, viewer, or reader. If you'd like to be a guest on a future episode of Toys and Tech of the Trade, you can email me rich at rageworks.net, and you can visit the Rageworks Podcast Network site. Fill out the contact form there, not just for this podcast, but for any of the other shows on the network as well. Last but not least, if you enjoyed this podcast, please take a moment and give us a review. Uh, whether it's on iTunes, Spotify, etc. If you want to click uh, five stars, we'd appreciate that. And if you got a second or two to write a few words, we'd really appreciate that as well and would love to share that with our listeners. As a reminder, Toys and Tech of the Trade is released bi-weekly and we have lots of guests uh, to take us through the fall and probably into the holidays. And I know some of you have asked, so I'll take the time to answer it. Yes, there will be a holiday gift guide as usual. Uh, there definitely will be an episode dedicated to that. And I'm already working on so many great products, services, and everything else to share with you when the time comes. Until then, though, I'm going to wrap up this week's episode of Toys and Tech of the Trade, and I'll check you guys in two weeks. Thanks for listening. Peace.
Toys and Tech of the Trade is part of the RageWorks Podcast Network, your source for rants about gaming, entertainment, and the works. Visit us at RageWorksNetwork.com.